Hi everybody, I am Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where I tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called David Crosby, Remember My Name. Like, that was ever an issue? <laughs> yeah, no, really. Only for me. That, I don't think that is. <laughs> the, the whole power behind this movie is my friend Cameron Crowe here, who basically isn't the director, but he is the producer. And he did. You see the back of his head in this movie a lot, you know, <laughs> asking this guy questions. And I want to really find out the abuse that you were handed by him to do. <laughs> really, it, it, it had to have happened. We see a little of it, but really, there had to have been more. And the man himself, David Crosby. It, it, we're thrilled to have you here. Thank this you. Is like, this is really great. Believe me, and, we're both honored to be here. Man. We wanted to well, all that you. honor has to now disappear. Who was the biggest pain in the ass in the making of this movie? Me. There's really, no question. From the beginning. Oh, wow. I am probably, I have a PhD in pain in the ass, I think. I, I, <laughs> well, you certainly give yourself one, you know, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, the whole movie. No, yeah. I, you know, I did give them some guff, you know, because that's kind of my nature. I'm a little bit feisty, you know, but I... Uh, I don't think anybody really was a pain in the ass in making the film. AJ was persistent. He's a really determined guy, and he really will get it done. He's very determined to get it done. That's one of the things we like most about him. Well, see, uh, when you say that, he's going to get it done. What's happening? You're, you're there, and you're not giving him, him what they want? Oh, no, I've given him everything the whole time. I'm seeing the qualities that made it actually happen. He's... <laughs> known me since he's 15. He knows where... He well, that's was, old for Cameron. He was there. <laughs> you know, it is, yeah. He's already been in the business for... For five years, years, probably, yeah. at that point. But, yeah. So, he knew up front. He, what he brought to this is, A, he's a consummate foam maker, and B, he knew me left, right, and center. He knows where all the bones are buried. He was in the room. He was in the dressing room when we had that argument. Whatever went on, he was there. <laughs> okay, so... The two of them and I had what you call a unity of purpose. We, we completely agreed about the level that we wanted to approach the thing, which is rare in any project, music or film. <laughs> we did agree completely. We wanted to not do a shine job. We, we didn't want to just say, oh, isn't he cute? Because I'm not. I'm not cute. I'm, I'm, well, there I'm, are some people that might go in innocently to this movie thinking that you are. Well... God bless them. They, they are got a surprise coming. To that we didn't want to do it. Yeah. We wanted to show you the truth about a human being as closely as we possibly could, without any reservations on it at all. No, no. Oh, we'll just cover that up. We we all felt like that. Yeah. It was unanimity, just complete. We all agreed to the level because we didn't want to do the kind of shine job that most of the documentaries are. Well, even within, if you did, even if it was just you going over the highlights of your career, that would still be some movie. The fact is, there's, there's no buttering anybody's toast. At all. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, if this was me and it was Remember My Name, I'd think, do we have to have that thing? <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of those, those, those moments. Did you notice he used my phrase? Butter my toast. He's, he's in, man. He's the he first you. guy I've heard to use. He I thought that, that was you. That was me. I thought I butter my toast. Please issue a check, Mr. Crosby. Turn on yeah. the camera. You know, I have no. 
<laughs> I, have, I have no right to do that. No, no, right. I was, I'm really thrilled to hear you use my phrase, because uh, I think that's a great way to say he didn't, didn't tell me what he thought I wanted to hear. He wasn't, you know, polishing my apple. He, buttering my toast is a good, good phrase for it. Does I that make it. him angrier if somebody is trying to do that? Yeah, and I don't it like would it if, you know, they were saying... Maybe, maybe. Don't, don't generally like it. I like it if you talk to me straight. Yeah. Uh, 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 which is one of the things that we have is he, he, like I said, he was there, he knows, and he doesn't pull his punches at all. <laughs> Neither does AJ. And that, that, that was, that degree of honesty made me fully confident about doing well, it. How do the two of you get together on this particular project? Because he's doing a million I ran things. in to AJ Eaton and David and and uh, just run into them as you well, will. Well, it was at JJ Abrams' office because we were doing our hit Showtime series mm -hmm. Roadies. <laughs> and um, we ran into <laughs> to uh, I ran into David and and uh, our friend Jill Mazursky and and AJ and they were talking about doing a documentary. And immediately, you know, they were like, "Well, come on board with us." And I'm like, yeah, "I can't. We're doing this thing and everything, but and I saw in David's eyes that he was ready to talk, like he wanted to go there in this film. And I said, first of all, as a fan, when I watch this thing, I, I don't want to see a lot of talking heads. Forgive me, but like, you don't need a lot of people. Just put the you camera on him, him and you don't get him. <laughs> Mic him really warmly, have him look like pretty much into the camera and cut out all middlemen. Mm -hmm. David tells you about his life the way he would if you knew him for a while and it was a late night and you just asked him all the questions you wanted to ask him. And so I said, well, I'll just do the first interview and have it, enjoy it. You know, he's the best interview ever. And, and I just kept interviewing him until it, I had to be in the show with him. When, and that was a great day. But when was the first time that you interviewed him? It had to be 74. Um, I got an assignment from Crawdaddy Magazine to write about Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and they were opening their big tour, and I'd been dreaming of interviewing David as a young journalist. And I interviewed him at our friend Joel Bernstein's house, which was also Graham Nash, lived next door, and uh, he just was so gracious, and I had so many questions, and he sat for every one of them. I'm like 15, and he's, he's saying, what, what else do you want to know? What else do you want to know? He was brilliant. Uh, I was grieving over my girlfriend's death there. Like, I'm 15 going, David Crosby is telling me the most intensely personal. He trusts me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just always interviewed him every possible chance since and up until now. That's he, all he asked of me was that I be honest. But, but taking him to Laurel Canyon... He didn't want to go. No, I didn't want to <laughs> go. He was like, oh, please, come on. I still think it was stupid. You're not going to do this that, is... are you? It wound up really well. Meanwhile, everybody's talking about Laurel Canyon. <laughs> and, uh, like, we had to go to Laurel Canyon. He's like, oh, you're not going to make me stand on the steps of the country store? Oh, like, yeah, on. nothing like, happened there. Glenn Fry saw so you corny. standing there and started the Eagles. My God, you have to do it. Oh, please. And this is what we put in the film when he, you know, those moments where he says things like, there's no cinematic value in this whatsoever. And he turns his back on the camera. It's like, so he walks only, away. You like to have a subject, such wrong critic. Yes, he was. Well, I'm a grump. He came in there. Yeah. Sometimes and I can be this. a grump, and he got me totally caught me being a grump. Absolutely. Then we get him to go in the Laurel Canyon Country Store, which is really the citadel of that whole period as it exists now. See, this is what you get. He just mocks, he he mocks it. He mocks yes. it. Yeah. So he walks in, and I'm, uh, and he's looking like kind of poetic. And I go, Cross, you know, 
what did this place represent to you? And he goes, <laughs> you should see it. It's in the movie. He goes, what did it represent? It's the place where we came to get the groceries. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and he like walks off the camera. And, and yeah, we're like, it has no other significance <laughs> What's at the all? deal here? Well, he like harasses know. the per- poor person behind the counter. But then he turns and he starts seeing these pictures, including the doors, which he has a little thing to say about the doors. But Peter, he goes outside and sits at the table and says the most intimate stuff of the entire interview series. But that's because you asked me those questions. Thank you goodness. Just, you're just proud of it because you managed to do it at the store. I am. Yeah, that's right, because you could have asked it somewhere. It wouldn't have been picturesque. Yeah, it wouldn't, have, wouldn't have been a good shot at all. So it had to get asked in the right place. I guess so. For you to respond. You're trying to, to tell me way. he knows what he's doing. I, I am saying that. Dang it! But you can it, learn the it, hard it, way because you see, he has kind of a baby face, and you kind of trust <laughs> him immediately, <laughs> and that could really lead you up the wrong road. But uh, you know, it didn't because. Well, can we show a little clip? There's a clip of you. Because what I love when you get into what you're doing, whether you're excited mm. by somebody or not excited yes, by yes, whoever yes. that is, there's something in you that gets kind of possessed by what it is. And here in this clip that we have, you're talking about Coltrane. Oh, wow, fantastic. I look pretty silly, but it's funny. It's I don't funny think you look silly. You look excited by I was. what you're talking about. And we you didn't bring know how it back to, to life. The movie. We didn't know how to start the movie. And we just decided one day that we were going to start at 90 miles an hour with this story. <laughs> I think it's great. All right, well, let's take a little peek at this. And then... I ducked into the men's room. And I got my head against this cute green tile. I can still remember the color of the tile. And I'm like, okay, okay it's going to be all right now. Gonna just get it together now. It's going to be okay. Bam! Somebody kicks the door open. Bam! It's train. He's kicked the door open because he's. <laughs> playing at the most intense level you could ever imagine in your life. He never stopped soloing. He's still soloing. And he's up where it's really hitting the thousand mark. You know, he's like burning. I never heard anybody be more intense with music than that in my life. In that little bathroom. <sighs> See? See? That, it's that's brought a guy to life. Who, yeah. That's a guy who loves music. Well, oh, I do love music, yeah. Well, I, I hope so. Was, because you keep doing it. Well, what you see there is, is the effect that... It, John Coltrane, man, is one of the, the greatest musicians of our times, right? And he had, at that time, a, his quintessential band. Unbelievably fine. Two bass players, probably the, one of the greatest keyboard players who's ever lived, uh, McCoy Tyner, and uh, just stunningly good, right? And the effect that they had on me was like that. It was, I was very high, <laughs> I'll admit, but they were the consummate jazz band. They were unbelievably good. And, and I was wide open to it. I walked in wide open. And they just slayed me. They just, yeah, uh, I was that impressed. And yes, it went down like that. He did walk into the bathroom. And he absolutely scared me to death. I didn't know what I was, I completely lost my mind for a minute there. My brain ran out in the puddle on the floor. You know? Did you ever get to meet him? Huh? Did you ever get to meet him? No, never did. I wish I had. I met, Tra- I met Miles. Yeah. But. Well, you did kind of meet 
Coltrane. I did in that bathroom <laughs> that, that, for that, that moment. That, you shared a moment. The tile, the way it's described, no, that's everything. That's like a short story writing as well as it's a movie, and it's everything else that's happening. That you don't see very often. A lot of talking head movies, that, you know, and then I wrote this, and then basically You know I was why they the do birds. the talking heads? I mean, they do the talking heads thing so they can use everybody's name in the advertising. It's I a guess. joke. It's Come on. But we see that it affected you in a way, as if oh, you absorbed yeah. what it was that you saw and experienced, and that's everything. That's learning. That's anything, in, no matter how long you've been doing this. I think it's a pretty amazing thing to catch on film. Yeah, it really is. This it's, is the gift, that he can tell a story like that, and we, we, we take a little time to stay with him and not cut to somebody else, and you see his thought process. We'll talk about you like you're not here. And, yeah. and he, he listens and feels the story that he's just told you. So if you keep the camera on him and we end the movie on a moment like this, he's, he's thinking about what he just said and going back Can there because be he doesn't dwell in the past that much. And, and this is kind of a thing where we got him to actually go back there and think about all this again. And you see him... Reliving. Did you resist any of it? Because it's very, you're very, very frank about everything that went on in that. Alienating basically every musician you worked with. The, the that happened. If I was gonna, if I was gonna resist it, I would have resisted it in front. When yeah. I, when I told AJ and Cameron, I'm committed to this. Mm -hmm. At that point, I. In my heart, I committed myself to being completely honest and drawing no lines anywhere. Because if they were willing to take their time and and give it to me, I'm not going to give them less than 100. percent And and I think and I think it worked. You know, I think we were lucky as hell. But I, I think the result on film is really unusual to see on film. You don't normally see that degree of reality. There has to be a degree of pain. In remembering there is this. it's it's hard to be naked in public yeah it is you know especially if you're not real good looking uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when you talk about what's painful and in a lot of not just rock documentaries but any kind of story of somebody that does it it becomes glamorous yeah and with you it's not you know the the years in jail the drugs the things that almost kill you uh, you say, this was, I screwed up, you know, <laughs> this is... How could you read it any other way? You know, I wasted years of time. Mm -hmm. Time is the final currency, man. It's your, it's what you have here. There's a little bit of time. And for me to waste the amount of time that I wasted just getting smashed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got to be able to look at that and say, no, that was a total mistake. I was put here to make music. That's obvious. But the myth is that that period where, you know, you're carried away by whatever drug you happen to favor at that moment, that that's when you do your best work. No. That's what people believe. No, that's not true. Drugs, hard drugs, mm. absolutely get in the way of the creative process. Do not help at all. And the more hard drugs I did, the less I wrote. Until I stopped writing completely. Mm. Then I stopped the drugs by going in prison woke up and started writing again. Now I can only draw one conclusion from that, right? The drugs were inhibiting, because the more drugs I did, the less I wrote. The drug use curve went up like this, the writing curve went right down at the same rate. Mm -hmm. I stopped writing, 
I stop doing drugs, writing comes right back up. What can you draw from that? That the drugs were hurting the writing, they were getting in the way of the writing, and that they do get in the way of the writing, and that they don't help it at all. They didn't help at all. Pot helps. Psychedelics probably helped. Mm -hmm. Hard drugs, absolutely not. They're destroyers of, of creativity and of music and of art in every way. They do nothing good at all. What was the moment that really hit for you where you said, I'm not doing this anymore? I had fled the law. I was already, I was already a fugitive. Uh, I failed to show up. And uh, I'd fled and I, I'd gone back to my touchstone, the boat. Really loved that boat. Mm -hmm. And I was laying on the deck of that boat and I was thinking and it was uh, straight, you know, because I didn't have any money and I had to look at everything and I finally just gave up. I just, there's a, you know, if you go to AA meetings, they'll tell you that there's a, you have a moment of clarity. That's what they call it. And it, there is a moment and you do surrender. And I went and I surrendered. And in that surrender, you were able to say to yourself, okay, no more. Although being in jail, it, it's kind of helping you in therapy. <laughs> made it possible. Yeah. They didn't help me at all, but they absolutely made it where there was no drugs and I had to sober up. Mm -hmm. And so I woke up in a jail cell in Texas, in prison, in a serious, honest-to-God, real, actual walls, machine guns, barbed wire prison. And you know the truth? If I had to choose between going back to being a junkie or going back and spending another year in prison, I'd go back to prison. Junkie is a prison you carry around with you. You don't get to get out. Junkie only ends one of four ways. You die, mm -hmm. you go crazy, you go to jail, or you quit. There's only those four possibilities. <laughs> Reverse <There>. order. Yeah. <laughs> right, that was it. Yeah. Finally, the dying would be ending everything. Yeah. Well, I was a very good candidate for that. Very close. Very close. I had read something you had said about running into David yeah. at a period where it was a low point for him. Yeah. What was that circumstance? He was playing a benefit with Ann and Nancy Wilson mm -hmm. at the Santa Monica High School, right? And um, it's a great thing that they did every year where, where they played with the high school musicians. And uh, Cross played a set that was fantastic with high school musicians and I was so anxious to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I went backstage after. He was depleted, wasn't there, was not present. He'd given everything in this performance, barely recognized me. It kind of tore my heart out because the last thing he said to me was, safe travels, my friend. And, and I watched him walk away. And I thought what various other people have thought along the path of Cross's life that's the last time I'm going to see him. I won't see him again. And as he turns that corner, that's the last image I'm going to ever have of this guy that's meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. Next time I saw him, he was the Energizer Bunny. He was back. And, and, and I've never seen that kind of turnaround. Um, 
and and that what was, was happening. What was happening for him? I think part of it, if I may answer for you for a moment, because this was a turning point in the film, was his marriage. He's got one of the greatest love stories in his life with his wife Jan, and those two together are a powerhouse. And think I think that's how you turn that stuff around. It's one of the main parts. Mm-hmm. I. I did have to go through the pain of quitting, and I did have to get locked up to do it. Mm-hmm. I tried, I think, five times in treatment, and failed. So it did have to. I did have to do the, do do time in prison to do it. But I don't think I'd be alive without Chandy. Jan is my best friend, and we've well, been you, together, that comes across. And we've been together forty-two years. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen by accident. You got to really work at it, and you got to really care about the other so person. So I'm thinking she can call you on your when she has to. Absolutely, yeah. does all the time. <laughs> Didn't want to do an interview for us, and then one day, and she's down always and let you. She's always you. She does trust you, man. She doesn't trust most people, and she does trust you. Does it, it blew our mind every moment in the editing room when we when we had her footage. She's up. a good soul, and you can see it. You can see it. You could definitely. Did she make your hat? She did make this. I just, I've heard that she's like famous for those. Yeah. And look at that. That's a work of art. What she's really famous for is salsa. She makes the best salsa on the planet. Well, see, I didn't have the hope for that. But no. I thought, you know, one day. You know, if you come to California, be that. if you come, to, come California, to California, I will feed you some of that salsa. Some of that salsa. It has to be summertime, happen. though, because that's when we get the tomatoes. <laughs> well, this then I good. don't want it when it's some... Horrible hothouse thing that I'm nobody s- wants to eat ever. No, you have to try it. It's right. the best salsa you'll ever taste. You know, this show always ends in song. And, uh, you know, here is David Crosby, and he should actually be doing some little snippet of a song that he feels represents you to him in music. But I could see his face. And <laughs> <laughs> what an opportunity. <laughs> what an opportunity to slag It really you. was. It's really the most perfect thing you could do for him. But you have to give me some semblance of a song to end this show. I do? You do. Who are the men who really run this land? And why do they run it with such a thoughtless hand? What are their names? And on what streets do they live? I'd like to ride right over this afternoon and give them a piece of my mind about peace for mankind. Peace is not an awful lot to ask. All right. Come on. You just made our entire month. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you. I won't nag you for more stuff. I won't do it. But the next time, there'll be a song. There will be the ballad of Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it. There'll be a next time. This is fun. <laughs>